Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's been our presenting sponsor since 1963. We have college basketball conference tournaments and March Madness coming up. Oh, yeah. I can't think of a smarter, easier way to get tickets to these games than SeatGeek. I went on there last week, and then I went on there this week. Tons of good seats available for the ACC tournament in Brooklyn, among other things. It's by far the easiest way I have found to buy the best tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone on SeatGeek. Everything fully guaranteed. Try it out. Download the free SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by our old friend Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer or printer. All you have to do is sign up for stamps.com right now. Use the promo code BS. You get a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes postage and a digital scale. Why would you go to the post office? It's terrible there. Who has fun at the post office? Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BS. That's stamps.com. Enter BS. And finally, we are brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, which just added a new show. It's called The Masked Man Show. It used to be on Channel 33 and now it has its own podcast feed. If you love wrestling, I would highly recommend subscribing to The Masked Man Show on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you haven't heard uh, my last couple, we had Jimmy Kimmel went to his office on Wednesday night and we did um, a rehash of his crazy Oscars experience, which you probably heard of since everyone in America heard of it. And he has some great stories about that. Check that out. That's the podcast before this one. Luke Walton coming up right now. All right, here in El Segundo, the Lakers practice complex, Coach Luke Walton. I can't get over the fact that you're a coach. I, I'm sure you get that. How old are you now? I'm 36. So my dad has season tickets for the Celtic games. Yes. In the 80s. Yes. The 70s and 80s, but in the 80s, we sit in the tunnel. Yes. So we were on the left side. And when your dad joined the team, which was the greatest basketball season of my life, all of a sudden your mom was like literally directly across from us on the, on the other part of the tunnel, five feet away. And she would bring the Walton boys in, and you guys were terrors. Yeah. You guys were just jumping up. You're doing like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were all crammed on like two seats or three seats. And I don't know how. So you would have been. I was six. You were six. six. So but there, you had a couple we're older all two brothers. years apart. So we were, there was four, six, eight, and ten. Right. Were the ages of the four boys. Right. And she spent most of the time trying to corral you yeah, in yeah. the seats. Bless her heart. And meanwhile, yeah. basketball history is happening right in front yeah. of you. But you say, I read that article in the Globe. You said there was some osmosis from um, that season for you with well, the passing. I said, yeah. I said, I think there, uh, there had to be. Because yeah. it's like the it's what I love most about the game of basketball. I, I love watching the ball move. Yeah, uh, you know the, somebody beating the defense with a backdoor pass, right. or if a defense isn't looking, just throwing it over the top. That type of nonstop ball movement and uh, and that skill is my favorite part of the game. So, you know, it had to start from somewhere, and I'm assuming that's where where it was. Was you know watching tapes and you know Larry Bird legend movies as a kid and just seeing it nonstop uh, I think is a big part of you know the way I see and try to try to coach the game now. you think there's any DNA from that like your dad had the passing gene so it had to be in your 
I don't, chromosomes a little bit? I mean, I don't think so, but I guess there's a possibility. It has to be a my, little bit, My right? younger brother was a complete gunner, though. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he played at San Diego State, and he just wanted to he just wanted to hoist up shots. No, He's rebelling like, against the passing he, he might have been. He might have been, because me and my older brother love passing. He, he got out there in his mind that every time he touches the ball, he should shoot it. So, well, I remember that season. I, I'm barely old enough to remember watching your dad in Portland when he was like the best center in the league. And, uh, and they came in one time and they just killed the Celtics. It was like 150 to 110 or something. And the ball was just, and it, I just never seen anything like it. And it was like this indelible imprint on me. Then he gets hurt. You read the story of broken foot. He's never going to come back. He's in the Clippers. And then when he arrived with the Celtics, it was like, He'd found his his soulmate, Larry Bird, and they would just experiment that whole year with those little back doors, little cuts yeah. off the screens and all that stuff. It was magnificent. Yeah, so he said, and again, it's my dad, so who knows yeah, what yeah. part of the stories are true or not. But <laughs> the, the, the story we heard, he was going to law school up at Stanford, Yeah, and he didn't think he could ever play again because of his feet. And he started playing intramural basketball uh, with, some, with some friends he was in school with, and his foot felt great. Yeah. He was able to score, you know, whatever, 100 points in intramural games against poor Just law students them. at Stanford <laughs> University. And he said his foot felt so good uh, that he wanted to come back and play. And It was, it was like a miracle. He, he stayed healthy the whole year, yeah. and then that was it. Yeah, it was but like yeah, I think he last, played like 100 one, games. One last gift from the basketball gods, because, boy, did he love the game of basketball. I know. And did he love Larry Bird. So he was like, uh, for him, I think uh, – you know, I think for a lot of athletes, retiring and, and especially when it happens early and with injuries is really depressing. Yeah. And, uh, and he had his struggles with that himself. Um, but what a what a last gift to be for someone that plays the game like he played and the way yeah. he appreciates the game uh, to be able to spend his last year playing alongside that 86 Celtic team, winning a championship, six man of the year, all that stuff. Uh, was uh, pretty pretty incredible. I went to see him because I wrote a basketball book like seven eight years ago, and he was basically the last chapter of the book because he was out of all the all the best guys ever. He was the one guy who his body just betrayed him, and he never got to really use the gift to the level that he could have. And I remember I drove to San Diego. It was like summer of two thousand nine. This is before he had the back surgery, and he kind of, you know, basically mm -hmm. saved his life. I mean, yeah. he's talked about it, but I remember he was sitting on sitting on a you know a couch and his feet were up and you see his feet and you're like oh man how did those things go through any NBA season like they're just these long he had no arches and he's got all these cuts and scars and Everywhere. all this stuff on him and it's like man his knees you know? are like three times the size oh, yeah. of what knees should look like he's he's been through the ringer well now he's reinvented himself I mean I'm sure you're aware of his his Pac-12 announcing all the ESPN stuff. He's, he's been hilarious. I, I <laughs> he's taking it. it to another he level. Has. He really has. I saw a Texas game the other day where someone threw him a tie-dye Texas shirt and he literally changed <laughs> he in the middle of the arena, just shirt off. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he's he he loves it. He, yeah. he really does. And, uh, you know, he's always been a hard worker. He's he You know, he's not just, you know, he studies his game notes and he's ready to go. Now, half the time he's talking about crazy Grateful Dead flashbacks but right. um, I, I, I I love listening to him do games it really does entertain me uh, because I've heard those stories and that type of 
storytelling since yeah. I was a kid and we were sitting around the dinner table and uh, to see how much fun he's having doing all that's uh, pretty awesome. Because would, he, like you said, he he found his life again. He'll be he'll let, I mean he was out. Yeah. He was done. He had given up pretty much. And uh, to see the joy that he has uh, again in life and in being able to work and travel and do all that stuff uh, from, from a son standpoint is obviously like way cooler than just listening to what he's talking about. I could sense that a little bit when we talked. I, I sensed that he was in not a great place physically and that it would definitely affected him. I mean, I didn't know like how badly it was affecting him, but I could definitely tell he was, he was a guy who was outdoors riding his bike to practices and games when he was mm-hmm. in Portland. And you could see that, you know, he just missed being able to move around. Oh, it was killing him. Yeah. And, you know, he was, you know, he wasn't one to really talk about all that type of stuff a lot. So for us as kids, it was like we saw it, but we were also all doing our own thing and, you know, kind of around that age that, you know, we we weren't seeing him as much as we are used to. Uh, so then when, you know, when the word came out where how bad it really was, like it blew us away. Yeah. Like he had, he, you know, he's, we don't sit down and have those type of type of talks. Um, and I think he likes to handle thing on, things on his own, especially things like that, his health and stuff like that. He wants to, you know, do it all himself. Uh, so it was, you know, reading some of that stuff was really, uh, was tough. Yeah, I ran into him a couple of times after I wrote the book and he would always, and I remember he emailed me a couple of times too, he'd been on my podcast, but he would always say he would get great feedback for this chapter I wrote. And I was like, did you read it yet? And he's like, I can't, he just couldn't read it. Like, I think it's still painful for him to read about yeah. his career because I, I think he f- must feel like there's so, he missed out. Like, think about LeBron's played I know. 15 straight seasons. Uh, he's just been healthy. I know. And Bill Walton plays like maybe one-fifth of that or something. Yeah. But yeah, I think the thing that's coming out now on the TV is he's got to be in like the top five or six people who love basketball the most. Uh, <laughs> I was I did a year with Doug Collins, so uh-huh. I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. But Doug yeah, Collins is like, he just loves basketball. Uh, I love you Doug. Know, Doug's we'd be, awesome. We'd be in a room with eight TVs and he's just, he's fidgeting his thing like, look at that. What you do? And yeah. he's just, that's what he's like. Yeah. That's his favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think your dad's like that too. What did he say when you were talking about uh, maybe going to the Lakers? When I was going to take when you're the coaching talking about the job, coaching job, yeah, he thought that I should stay in Golden State. Really? Um, but I think I think where he's at in his life, he looks back and looks at that Portland team and looks right. at the '86 Celtic team and Just like to the icons. At, nothing else. Like those are those are the the memories that I think stick with him the most. Being part of those championship teams and how yeah. great that was to be a part of it. Um, so I think his advice to me was more about you know, quality of life and being happy. Because let me tell you, living in Oakland and coaching that team, uh, working with Steve, uh, working with the staff up there and Bob Myers and them was, like every day was pretty much a good day. Cause we won, we had fun at practice. Um, So I get where he was coming from, but where I'm at in my life and and being young, uh, like, the challenge and the idea of having the opportunity to to help get the LA Lakers back to where they belong yeah. uh, was you know the excitement that where you can't sleep at night like the the fact that you you get to be a part of that and trying to make that happen and yeah it's going to be hard as hell but like that's the team that drafted me that's the team I played with 
And on top of that, they're one of the greatest sports franchises of all time. Um, it's the second greatest NBA franchise ever. Yeah, we, we, we don't need to get into that debate. <laughs> if, you, if you had me on when I was six, I would have agreed yeah, with you. Been, you would have been high-fiving. It was probably all the way up until I was 22 when I got drafted. Because as soon as yeah. I, I, got, I heard the L.A. Lakers and Luke Walton coming out, like it, my, it changed right there. So I, up until I was 22, I probably would have agreed with you. Um, well, you've had some crazy different types of basketball situations. Like you're the interim coach on this team that comes together in a way that we've never seen in our lives last year in the Warriors when first 25. But then your rookie season, you go in and that's like a really, really bonkers Lakers season. That was the, they bring in Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Uh It's really the first super team. Everyone, everyone thinks like LeBron and Wade and Bosch formed it, but like that year, everybody was like, oh, the Lakers are going to win. This is going to be so boring. Who else is going to win? And then, you know, I think if Carl Malone doesn't get hurt, I know the Pistons were good, but I still think you probably the Pistons were really good. Yeah, they were really they good. Were, they were a really good team as yeah. far as the way they played. They had their roles and they they played those roles uh, to a T. Um, but yeah, the 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 injury to Carl Malone killed us. He was kind of that guy that kept everything smooth. Uh, on a team full of Hall of Famers. And and you uh, weren't that deep either. You couldn't lose a guy who played 35 minutes a game on that team, you know? Yeah, well, we've, we were. Phil just didn't trust me. That was, that was my... You that were was, playing, though, right? No, who was no. it? It was like Slava. <laughs> it, was, it was me and Slava begging to get, get thrown in the game. We weren't, we weren't as deep. Uh, uh, we, had, we had our guys that had a lot of success. Rick Fox was hurt all year. Right. Horace Grant came and helped, but he got hurt before GP the playoffs. GP wasn't happy. He's standing yeah. on the side. So it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't as deep as, uh, you know, it, that is normally nice to make a playoff run. And then and that, when Carl got hurt, it just yeah. it, it crushed the, the kind of the spirit of what we had going. You got by the Spurs, and that was a pretty, you know, they're a defending chance. But then that Pistons team just, yeah, I could see it after like the second game. Yeah. I remember what I can't remember which game Kobe hit the crazy game winner, but game two. Yeah, it game felt two. it just felt like that was yeah no, that, and that was to go into overtime. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, like they they had already won game one at, on our court. Convincingly, we had to fight to scrap to get back in to get you know have a chance to win game right. two, and then it was just it was over when we what, got to Detroit. What did rookie Luke Walton think of all the Shaq Kobe stuff that year? Um, you just thrown into this. Yeah, I was, I, I, I was, I didn't really know what to think. I, I coming from college, everything is such a tight group. Right. And it's like you're really with the same kids for the most part. Your whole and you time guys were tight there. too. That Arizona. Oh team. yeah, you know, yeah. Was, you know, everyone on that team, I'm still you know good friends with, and like yeah. that was how we did things uh, coming out of college. So a lot of what happened. I'm, uh, that rookie year, I just was sitting back and observing, trying to take it all in, which is, you know, crazy. A lot of people assume growing up as Bill's son, like I would have already known how to handle the NBA. I had no clue. <laughs> I remember my first bus trip, road trip, you know, you get off the bus and they tell you, all right, we'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I'm thinking to myself, well, where is, when's the team film session tonight? When's the team dinner? Is it in the lobby? Like all this stuff. And, you know, that's come it. to find out, like, no, you're gr- you're a grown up now. Like, yeah. we got to the city, do whatever the hell you want all night long, and we got 10 a.m. the next day. So a lot of that rookie year was just kind of sitting back and observing and trying to figure out, uh, you know, how this league works. And the the Kobe Shaq thing was 
uh, was crazy because I got, you know, there, there was, it felt like there was a team, team Kobe a little bit and then some guys that were team Shaq. And I got along great with both of them. Right. So I was well, just you passed, kinda, so they like to. Yeah, I was neutral <laughs> and I passed to, you know. I, 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 I Well, I love passing anyways, but when Shaq used to tell me if I don't throw him the ball, because in triangle you can, you know, wherever the next pass leads to the motion. So anytime I didn't throw it to him, he would tell me he was going to punch me in the face <laughs> next time that happened. <laughs> I started making my two pass into the post pretty much every time. Um but it was yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience. And then the opposite last year, that team had unbelievable chemistry. Yeah, the best I've, I've never ever seen been a team on. enjoy it, no, themselves more. It was more, the yeah. best chemistry of any team I've been a part of, uh, including our championship teams here that I was playing with. Uh, they have so much fun, the way that they played and shared the ball and didn't care which player was getting the shots. Um, and embracing their roles and sacrificing for the I mean you know you must have loved it it was awesome it really was I mean Andre coming off the bench for the first time in his career yeah uh, you know David Lee same thing the first year we were there uh, bringing over Sean Livingston and uh, you know who I played with in Cleveland my last year and seeing like his his career that was almost over and such a good guy and hard worker yeah. to start to be able to have that type of success with the team that's winning. It's a little like, awesome. a little like your dad, like it was over and then he rallied back. Yeah. On the 86 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. Thing. And a huge role. The yeah. year we won the championship, he had some huge minutes in the finals for yeah. us. Um, so it was, yeah, it was the, the chemistry of that team and the Warriors did a great job with uh, the way that they, they set things up for the players. You know, any time we had uh, nights off on the road, there was team dinner. Like at whatever restaurant right. set up for just to constantly reinforce the idea of like, look, we're all in this together. You know, it wasn't mandatory, but most nights guys enjoyed each other. They, you know, they'd yeah. come to dinner and they'd have, you know, whatever, a couple drinks and order a nice meal and uh, it was people laughing and having fun. And it was just a, Really cool experience for those two years up there. Could, I mean, you were just the assistant coach. All of a sudden, you're the head coach. Like, did, were you just like in shock? What's shock, what's what's absolutely. your mindset with that? You I, must have thought you were like five years away. Yeah, I was. I was in shock for sure. Um, but I told myself like, I had to make the um, the decision that I can't afford to be in shock. At least let it be known that I'm that I'm kind of petrified about what's about to happen uh, because uh, that was my job. Like I had to be there as the head coach. And yeah. so you have to show confidence and, and, uh, and I thought that's one thing you did really well. You always looked like you were in charge. I think that that's the one part that can go badly if somebody's thrust into that spot. Yeah. You looked like you'd been there a while and, and I don't know, did you practice? Were you in front of a full length mirror? Practicing no, no, calm I and mean, comfortable? <laughs> I, I definitely did not practice, but I think a huge part of it, one, uh, Bob Myers and, and Steve were so incredible. Like yeah. pretty, I mean, Bob had convinced me pretty much, even if we started the season three and five, because we had a really hard stretch to the yeah. open that season up. He's like, that's fine. Like we got 82 games. You know how good our team is. Like eventually with whatever happens, like we're going to figure it out. So don't even like, so Bob was great. Steve, obviously talking to him every day on the phone was great. And then a big part of it was 
the players. I mean, the fact that I had such good relationships with them, uh, you know, I played with Andre in college, played with Sean, played with, uh, played with Mo Spates, uh, you know, created a phenomenal relationship with Draymond Green. You know, obviously, Steph, like, we, I had these relationships, uh, and I think, one, because they, those, that group of players is, are winners. They're going to do what it takes to win. Yeah. Uh, and two, because I think they, honestly, they wanted to, to, they, they wanted to help me, you know, succeed at this and, and make sure that there wasn't, you know, any craziness going to happen. Like a lot of them really stepped up and they helped, uh, you know, they helped at least carry, carry it along as we got me and the rest of the coaching staff. Cause it wasn't just me that was a new coach up there. You know, we had because uh, you also Jared, Alvin too. Yeah. Alvin left, so we had Jaron Collins who got into it. You know, the year before, like I did. Uh, you know, Bruce Frazier, Chris Marco. We had a really young coaching staff besides Ron Adams. Yeah, and <laughs> you know that's its own story. But <clears throat> could the, you feel the team getting more famous as the season oh, went yeah, along? It was because Steph yeah, went to a whole other. Was, I know he won the MVP, but he went to another level. It was season. a, it was a, it was a circus everywhere we went. There was hundreds of people outside the hotel yeah. all day waiting for the bus to come, the bus to go, pregame, postgame, everywhere. Hundreds of people, and then. And then also like the off court opportunities, the people showing up for the games two what two two and a half hours whenever they could get well, in the, to the watch doors open an hour and a half before. And I, yeah. I remember when I was the interim head coach, um, Bob came. Bob Myers came to me and said, "Hey, we haven't like a there's a petition going on from the fans, and there's enough signatures now that I figured I would at least bring it to you. Yeah, and they want to get in earlier." So the doors, you know, if the game starts at 7.30, the doors normally open at 6. And this many people want to come in two hours before the game so they can watch you guys warm up. And I said, well, I don't think that should be up to me. Let's, I mean, obviously Steph's the guy they want to see. Let's go yeah. ask Steph. And, you know, Steph's like, well, you know, it's already kind of crazy out there, so let's just kind of keep it where it is easy enough decision nope right <laughs> Steph wants to keep the doors shut till six we keep them shut till six so um like fans were literally petitioning to come in the arena two hours before the game even started to watch our players warming up and uh, well it is transfixing to watch him warm up I gotta say I got to see it at one of the one of the arenas I can't remember which one but then even I went to a shoot around because we did a pod with Steve Kerr a few weeks ago and just watching his routine after the practice he's playing like this kickball game and doing all yeah. these little goofy drills and it's i mean it's probably the greatest shooter of all time it's yeah. hard not to be mesmerized by it yeah no i agree and i heard that podcast with steve i thought it was really really good thank even you even though your dad said me and my brothers were all going to end up in prison he did he, uh, did. <laughs> we, he can't believe that uh, he can't believe that you all became successes yeah yeah, yeah. I know. It he was, was but those walton boys i know my yeah. mom was actually listening to it uh i was it was over all-star break and me and my mom were driving somewhere, so I had it on. So she got a she had a huge laugh out of it. It was really it was good though. It was, it was you don't funny. remember Robert Parrish's wife, do you? No, no. Because that was the other star of that section. Yeah. She tried to vault the. Uh, she tried to vault the, out of the thing to jump at a referee once and had to be held back, which uh, I've never seen yeah, before. See, yeah. I don't, I don't, she I don't took the calls her. very personally. <laughs> um, in retrospect, if you don't, if you guys don't go for seventy three and you pace it a little better. Does that team win the title, or was it just destined not to be? Um, 
By the way, I thought, as I said to Steve, I thought you did the right thing. Yeah. You always go for the history. Yeah, and we kind of, you know, the message going as we got closer and closer was like, look, all right, we'll, we'll keep playing. We won't sit, guys, but we're not going to go for it at the cost of, you know, if yeah. Steph has a sprained ankle, we're not going to play him through that in the, you know, to try to get to 73. So we're going to be reasonable about the way we go after it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we had we had our chances to win, right? I mean, and there's always something that has Steph got hurt. You know, I think we were a little worn down. Uh, and then you just give credit to Cleveland. I mean, they 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 could have quit. And LeBron and Kyrie, they, they didn't really seem like they, they were going to be able to take it. But that game five, when they both went for 40 apiece, yeah. that was like when we got back to the locker room, knowing we're going back to Cleveland, you know, I, I still obviously thought we would win the series. But, I, you know, I think we knew then we had our hands full. And, uh, you know, obviously no bogey in there hurt. But, uh, you it, know, they, they got momentum. And when superstars get momentum and confidence, it's it's tough to – it's tough to shut down, and they did a they did a hell of a job. They did a nice job changing what the series was and just making it kind of not what basketball is being played right now. Yeah. You know, it was the, the final score of Game Seven was what was it like ninety three eighty nine something yeah. like that? It was just so slow and deliberate. Yeah, and we had and, our chance. I mean, uh, we like well, yeah, that was the thing. You you missed how many shots in the yeah, last six well, minutes? And, and the shots that the shots that made. The Warriors, who the Warriors are, like the the, yeah. the five pass, you know, kick out extra pass to a wide open shooter yeah. type of shots, the ones that you know got us to that point and won us the championship. So, uh, you know, we the, the chances were there. Um, were you surprised? I, I, were you surprised they messed with? Uh, I know that Durant's one of the best five players in the world, but yeah. were you was a part of you surprised they messed with the chemistry? That wasn't. Uh, I messed is the wrong word. I yeah, guess threat, I think potentially. I think the if chemistry. we would have won, then it would have been really interesting to see yeah. how they do that. Because then I would have been shocked. You don't win back to back titles and then trade two of your or let two of the biggest pieces go from that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but coming off a loss, um, you know, you get a chance to add, you know, Kevin Durant, and I know, I know that. Steve and them didn't want they they did not want to but they were a little hesitant because they loved the team up there yeah but it comes down to like He's in my amazing. opinion if you can get Kevin Durant it's like you get you hear all the time these people talk about players are untouchable like if you can get Kevin Durant you know you you, you kind of have to do it he's that good of a basketball player that uh no matter and he how, fits into what they do oh he's perfect know? for the way they play it's not like carmelo's a different conversation because he's played a certain style so yeah career or whatever but. katie's unbelievable off yeah. the ball on the ball you know the the cutting his length the way he plays is a perfect fit for the way that the warriors have been playing and steve you know the system that he put in place there so to me it's you as hard as it is you got to make that move Let's take a quick break to talk about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They bring the mortgage process into the 21st century. Do everything on your phone or tablet. It is fast. It's powerful. It's completely online. Rocket Mortgage takes all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through old stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, share bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button. It could help you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. And you can even ingest the rate and length of your loan 
in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you, whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. So skip the bank, stop waiting, go completely online at quickenloans.com slash Bill Simmons, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030 again, quickenloans.com slash Bill Simmons, back to Luke Walton. Who was your biggest nightmare to guard at that position when you played? You played for a while, so you crossed a couple of generations. The hardest Because Durant would have to be up there, right? Yeah. LeBron, LeBron um, would but, be the easiest, most obvious choice. Well, LeBron uh, LeBron actually wasn't the, the hardest because the scouting report back then was to go under the screen and let him shoot. So if he hits it, then I, I, I still did my job. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, when we played them, we used to just load up Andrew Bynum or Pau Gasol on that strong side block. Yeah. So if it was an ISO, my only job was to to get into him and and have him drive to my teammate. So I never really got I stuck on LeBron with no help. Yeah. Um, but Carmelo was a monster. Uh, yeah. He was really tough, and they they would feed him time and time again. Um, Physical, quick release. Yeah. yeah post yeah. up or face up. Uh huh. Um, Tracy McGrady was tough. I kept getting switched on him, but honestly, the hardest one to guard was in practice, number uh, twenty-four, uh, Kobe. I mean, that was there was nothing like trying to guard him uh, on that wing when you were when you were isoed. And well, especially once he once he developed that little post-up game he had too. Yeah. Then it's like, what do you? You, do you were at that literally point? helpless. Yeah, and he was such an asshole. He'd tell you about it too. <laughs> you know, like he wasn't just going thirty. Like he would. In, he treated practices like games. Like it was no different to him. Like if you're competing on the court. He was trying to kill you, yeah, and he was telling you about it, and it, it, it was that's, as a man is tough to hear someone tell you about how they're going to kill right. you and then kill you. Um, it's so. been it's interesting. That there's been a few stars over the years that have handled it that way, practice games, the whole situation. Yeah, and I always wonder, like, you know, some guys fall, some teammates fall through the wayside. The Celtics had that in the '80s. There were some guys that just couldn't, like Brad Lowhouse, they had to trade him. He couldn't yeah. handle it. Yeah. Did you see that happen with Kobe and, and a couple teammates? Like, could some people just not rise to the occasion? No, I think it was good for us. Yeah, I think it was good for us because he, the fact he did it like that on days that we, you know, was just tired in the NBA season, and we would mentally give in. Well, he would call you on it, and he would. You know, he would talk trash to you and he would get the competitive level up to a place where all of a sudden you're going as hard as you can because right. that's what you do as a competitor. And uh, so I think I think the way he approached practice was really good for us as a team. So now that you're a coach, you probably appreciate it more than you did as a teammate. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it now. I try to I try to manipulate the practices to, to get them to be that competitive. I've called even Phil a few times and been like, Come on, coach. Like, give me something here. What, Didn't he used know? to lie about the score to get MJ going? Um, I've heard that. was that, always the famous thing. It'd be like 12 8. He'd be like, it's 12 6. Then yeah. MJ would be like, no, it's 12 8. No, it's 12 6. Then MJ would get but, mad. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know that, but I know he was, he would purposely, like, not give Kobe foul calls. And yeah. Kobe would, he, Kobe would go nuts. I mean, yeah. he would lose it, He's cussing people out. But that's what Phil wanted to do. He wanted to bring that out of him. And, you know, also, and for those games that 
he gets fouled, but the ref just blows a call. He's, you know, to give experience for him to fight through that and play. Um, but yeah, he's uh, now that I am a coach that, you know, that type of competitive atmosphere is what I try to get our practices to look like. I always thought that's why Shaq and Kobe ultimately were doomed to not make it forever as teammates because Shaq was the opposite of that. He was so physically yeah, he, overpowering and so talented naturally and could just basically turn it on in April and put up 35-15 in the finals. Mm-hmm. And just do that year after year. And I'm sure he just didn't want to play at that intensity day after day, whereas Kobe, that's yeah. who he was. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't think about it like that, but it's true. I mean, I only played one year with Shaq, and he was an awesome teammate. Yeah. I mean, he had your back as a teammate, and he – he saw the value and in, uh, in the importance of, you know, making sure everybody was having fun out there. He, yeah. If we had crowds come into a practice for an open practice, he would include them. He'd run up into the crowd and, and uh, you know, kind of bring that joy out in everybody, which is important in a long NBA season. Uh, you know, the difference with with him and I think a lot of people, though, that, that try to, you know, you know, be fun and and, uh, and and things of that nature is when the when it came time to play, Shaq was a killer. Yeah, he was a monster. So he could smile and have fun all over the place. But when it came time to actually play, he would. I mean, he took I mean, he took joy in you know hitting people into the crowd, and you know he'd act like he's going to block a shot, but really just lunge his his huge body into some little guard, and then the guard would never come into the paint again after that. Um, yeah, so Shaq's he, now become underrated. I, I I was I heard some I can't remember where I either read this or saw it or saw it on a message board thread or something. But people were debating like, you know, everybody thinks basketball now is the mm. best version of basketball, and there's some really good things about mm. it. We're like, oh, what, where, what would you do with Shaq now? It's like you know what Shaq would do? He would destroy everybody. Yeah. No, if, it, if it was the way it's played now with with four smaller guys and one big guy. You, he, he, I don't even know what would happen. There'd be carnage. There'd be dead bodies the, in the court. The, 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 you wouldn't be able to play small ball against Shaq. No. You couldn't. You, There's you no could, way. You could not do it because um, he was too physically dominant. He uh, Absolutely. The small ball works because of, you know, these guys can guard the bigs and then it gives the advantage on defense. No... <laughs> I mean, anyone that thinks that should go back and watch that, that you know, 76ers finals when uh, Matumbo oh, yeah, was Matumbo and trying to days. guard him. And, yeah. You know, he was he was unstoppable by big, legitimate centers. Uh, I remember in that Pistons finals, he had one awesome game. I think it was game four. Put up like a 36-20, mm-hmm. and you guys lost. I remember, like, Phil said something after, like, man, we just wasted one of the great Shaq efforts because he did that against Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace, yeah, you know, yeah. which is about as good as it's going uh, to get with that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, even, like, I watch a lot of Celtic games, obviously, that's my team. They go small a lot. They have three so guards. Funny. You see, like, one last night. It was a huge win last night. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Regular I mean, Darren Williams, is, they, there were some guys out there that aren't going to be there in the playoffs, but, but it was a big win. That was a great game. Yeah, it was just, a great just game. Just a basketball game. That yeah. was players making plays on both sides. Totally. It was really entertaining. Guy, was, all was, kinds of guys making shots. Yeah, taking like, charges. That was beautiful. There's a couple times when they're, you know, like Greg Monroe. Mm-hmm. Who's hit or miss for the for the Bucks? Yeah. Kills the Celtics because in small ball and he's physical and yeah. he's a lefty and he gets the ball in a spot and he just wreaks havoc. So I can't even imagine what would happen with Shaq. What's been the most frustrating thing about? Uh, I mean, other than the fact that you guys aren't succeeding, 
that you, you know, you're losing most of the time compared to last year, you're winning all the time. Uh, what's been the most frustrating thing for you this season? Well, first, I, I, like, I don't, and I know success is different for everyone. I think yeah. we are succeeding, honestly, with where we're trying well, to get to. how young you guys are, yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I again, I've, I tell our guys, like, the winning and losing, like, what it sucks to lose. Nobody wants to lose. But the important thing for us is is how we're building habits right now, like the direction we're trying to go to. And um, So what are those habits? Like what? The way we practice. Yeah. Honestly, the way that we play as far as are we playing unselfish? Are we making the extra pass? Defensively, are we talking? Are we into like, are we challenging, you know, teams defensively? And a lot of the time throughout the season that goes up and down and, uh, and you know the cons- obviously being around the NBA for a while, you know, being consistent in the NBA is not easy because of how many games you play. It's just not. And, well, especially when you got young guys. And you have young guys, and not just one or two young. Like we're playing a lot of young guys. Um, but I think that the way that it's going right now, we're actually having success in those terms, which is in my what's is most important to me right now. Because whether I mean, even if we made the playoffs, what and went on a 15-game win streak, got the eight seed. Yeah, you're still in trouble. We're playing the Warriors in the yeah. first round. Um, so to me, more importantly right now is we're building winning habits in the way that we practice and the way that our young guys are, are in the gym at, you know, every morning before practice, getting specific work in with specific coaches uh, on what we think is most important for them, a weakness of theirs to get better at. And they're doing it every day. And then from there into the weight room. Uh, and, you know, so building those type of habits at this young of an age, I think, carries over. You know, when you do it day after day after day and then it's year after year, now all of a sudden these players that were young with this raw talent start to blossom into phenomenal, you know, NBA uh, basketball players. Um, and they have the pedigree. I mean, you got you have a, two number two picks and a number seven pick. Yeah. And a couple more first-rounders. It's not like this is a CBA team. Yeah, so they're... What is Brandon Ingram? What has he become? What is is he eight years from now? I can't... I think he's one of the most interesting guys. I don't know what he is. Yeah, there's no way to know yet. Because the only way to know... The only way to answer that is to know what kind of shooter he becomes. Because his floor is going to be really good. Like, even if he never turns into a great shooter... He's going to be a really good NBA player. Because he gives a shit. Because he cares. Yeah. He's long. He has a great feel. Uh, you know, he's starting already. He's, you know, he weighs 180 pounds, and he's already starting to finish with dunks in the lane as he beats people. Um, so he's going to – his floor is already going to be high. So his destiny is if he starts consistently making if threes can, to stretch the floor. Exactly. So if he can do – If weight. he can do – he's going to put on weight. He's going to get strong enough. He's going to be able to finish in the lane. He's going to be able to hit his free throws. All those things – I'm, uh, you know, 100% confident about it. Depending on how high his ceiling gets is going to be all, in my opinion, determined by how well of a shooter he becomes. And he he's in here working. Yeah. He works on it. So I would like to believe, um, you know, that he'll become a, a pretty consistent shooter. But even within being a consistent shooter, there's that range of, uh, you know, is he going to be knocking down threes like, like Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant are now, you know, like where if they're open, that thing's going in. Yeah. And if he does that. Well, then, Kawhi learned how to do that. Durant. Well, yeah. Durant was probably doing it. Durant came into the league as a That beautiful was the rap on Kawhi. He couldn't shoot. Can't shoot. And now he's Hands 40 plus big. percent in any time. Yeah. 
that he's open, he knocks that thing down. So who's he guarding on the other end ultimately? Let's say he puts on forty pounds. He's stretch four. No, no, no. He's a three. He's. Too you think good. he's a three? Yeah. I mean, he can. He'll definitely be able to. We, we would like to play him as a stretch four in the, that scenario. Yeah. Because we want to play that style. Right. But he's he's a three. He's a he's a point forward. I mean, we ran him at point guard for a lot of this year already. So a little Giannis potential maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, but it's all up and down because it's gonna. You know, you got to be able to, right now, every ball screen teams just go under on him and they close out short. And when they, if they get to the point that they have to fight over that screen and they have to run him off his three with his feel for the game and his skill level and, and physical attributes, he's going to be a monster to deal with. But again, it comes down to can he knock the shot down when it came out that he couldn't be in the or that they nixed him being in the boogie trade or weren't interested. My reaction was, that's crazy. They should have gotten Boogie. And I hadn't watched him in a while. And I watched one of your games recently. I was like, yeah, there's there's a ceiling with him that I think is – there's also nobody in the league like him. I think it's really hard to figure out what somebody's going to be when you don't even have the role model for it. Yeah. Well, you know? to me, like, in that – obviously, I'm a, I'm a huge Boogie fan. I know people say he's crazy, whatever, whatever. I would love to coach. Like, he's <laughs> – like, I, one, I like crazy. Probably yeah, you I, I coach Draymond. I, I, I grew up in a chaotic household with my dad and my crazy brothers. Um, but I, I like crazy. And, yeah, Draymond Green, he's one of my favorite players. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I was interim head coach, he – probably cussed me out three times and I enjoyed it it was you know that's fun to me like I want I want that type of energy out there pussy um, pussy played with Kobe as we I discussed before Kobe. yeah probably it's, yelled that once or twice by him yeah someone asked me the other day what's it you know how's it like working with magic has he got you know is he this and I said it's great magic's incredible uh magic's like, amazing magic, I spent a whole yeah. year with magic and he's, he's nice I said yeah. shit I've played with Kobe yeah. Kobe used to cuss me out every day so like I can I can you know that that's no that's no big deal. And Matt, like yeah, Magic's he's he's got a way about him that's just it's fun to it's fun to be around. He's uh, also he's Magic Johnson. He's that always helps. He's yeah. one of the five most no, famous greatest yeah. players so of all it, time. You know, yeah, it's, it's, he's always uh, on time. Yeah, he's always, if you have a meeting or anywhere in the room, he's there, he's there first. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting in the chair waiting. Yeah, yeah when it was interesting hearing people wonder like Magic Johnson's going to run. It's like first of all. It's going to have somebody else, and then it turns out to be Rob Poenka. Yeah. It's not, it's not like Magic's going to be in Istanbul scouting, yeah, you know, yeah. second-round picks. Yeah. But where you want him is, you know, having him in practice every day, and there's some 20-year-old kid who grew up watching him on YouTube, and then all of a sudden there's Magic telling him, hey, you, did you ever think about it on your little skyhook doing your feet like this? Well, yeah, like, well, the, the, and a perfect example of that was uh, in Oklahoma City. Uh, he came with us on the trip, and... Uh, you know, and he's been great as far as like Luke. You're is this your coaching team? Like, look, we'll never tell you what to do. You know, yeah. obviously, when we talk, if I see something, I'll run it off you, and we can talk about it, whatever, whatever. Um, and if the players want to talk to me, I'll be here for them. So he's been great as far as that um, has been concerned. So we're in Oklahoma City, and he comes up after practice, and we're just you know shooting the the shit about how it went, and you know what you know, this young guy did and that young guy. And he's like, you know, he starts talking about Brandon and he's talking about how he made, you know, three or four great swing through moves where he got into the paint. But then whether it's, 
you know, his size or whatnot, he tries to fade away from the contact and makes it a lot harder shot than it needs to be. So, you know, Magic's like, you, you, you know, tell him, you know, when he gets in there, just that little sky, that little jump one-handed hook shot right there would be so good with his length. I said, shit, you're Magic Johnson. Hey, go tell him. <laughs> that, that sounds a lot better coming from you than right. it does, does for me. You know, and then Magic went down there and worked with him on it. And it was, you know, it's obviously, like you said, he's one of the top five of all time, really. And uh, when, you know, he's given advice to players, I think it's, it's very beneficial. He's incredibly famous. He's incredibly charismatic. And the thing that struck me, like when we were on the road the, that year we did the TV show together, the, the current players, even the stars, like they turned them into silly putty. Like we had... We were there for Game Seven when the Miami beat the Spurs. LeBron came up to the studio to hang out with us, and LeBron that's about as open as he's going to be in one of those interviews because Magic was right there, yeah. you know. And that's yeah. I think when you talk about Magic and Bird, and I'm sure Shaq is like this for some of these guys yeah. too. The movie, not Javale McGee, but yeah. <laughs> for most of them. But uh, but yeah, I think when these guys that they grew up watching, mm-hmm. they carry so much weight. So having him around every day. Been, oh, yeah, and also like when you you know at some point you're gonna have to recruit free agents. I yeah. think. Well, and more, and he's he's created a seven hundred million dollar. Yeah, business. he's a good businessman. So like he's not just a basketball guy that's gonna be a face. And hey, it's great to have Magic around. He also knows what it's like to 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 run a, a successful business. Right. So he's got the you know a business background and obviously his you know what he's best known for is the the basketball side of it. So there's a good. Uh, it's a good combination of the two. It did feel like the Lakers had lost their luster and there was, you know, behind the scenes dysfunction and stuff like Durant not even coming here to get it to to get a meeting and things like that. And I think that's that's the part I think people are missing with the magic thing. It's like people are gonna come for any meeting that he's gonna be in. He's a face of a franchise, he's got charisma, he's got you know, it's just he's gonna change the energy. Well, yeah, I, I yeah. And you I'm sure we you feel so. it already. Yeah. I mean, you definitely feel it. He's he's got a presence about him for sure, and yet yeah, it'd be nice to be able to get those free agents to you know to sit down with us so we right. can we can show them what we're about, where we're headed, what the game plan is, and you know that type of thing. You know, as far as being a part of bringing one of the best, you know, the best organization. Oh in come on, back. you you, 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 <laughs> you guys count the Minneapolis titles. That's the part I don't get. There's 11 here and five in Minneapolis, and somehow it adds up to 16 for all the Laker fans. I don't get why that. Not, why not count them? I, I, Boston won 17 in Boston. Um, <laughs> the young players, when they, the trade deadline comes, and then everybody just throws people in trades, mm-hmm. could you feel, because you didn't have to worry about that last year in Golden State, could you feel like that was affecting anybody or not? Yeah, it's, it's, and I remember what, it, as a player, it was the same thing. It's an uncomfortable time. Especially now um, on Twitter, social media, yeah, they can just everything. find out info right away. Yeah, and, and a lot of it's fake, you know. This, yeah. this, this, uh, the bad thing about, I mean, there's a lot of good thing about social media, but the bad thing is no one has to do any fact checks anymore. So anyone that wants to create some, wants followers can just blog whatever they want about, yeah. hey, they're going to trade this guy for that guy just yeah. to get people to look at their story. Um so, you know, I'm sure all these guys have alerts on their phones that are just popping up all the time about trades. But um, where we're at, you know, we 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 know the most important thing for our future right now is our young core. And we like our young core. Yeah. Now, obviously, someone like Cousins name comes available. You're willing to, you know, talk about it because he's that good. Um, 
but for the most part we had no you know no plans on moving any of our our young pieces unless something came along that was you know too good to pass up what's been the biggest surprise for you being a head coach what was the thing you didn't expect well I, from I, this stop to from the last stop to this stop I will, coaching I'll, a young inexperienced team versus the team you just had i'll say one before even answering that the the time I spent as interim head coach there was the greatest experience I could have had because yeah. even up there with the success we had, I was so overwhelmed with stuff I had no idea that Steve had to do as a head coach. I mean, like it what? was just media requests. To fall, I mean, your days were just, and then you get home from practice as an assistant. I got home from practice. If it wasn't my scout the next game, I was hanging with the family. I was yeah. done for the day. You get home from that long day and it's interviews and it's, you know, whatever else. And you got to, you know, find time to get, you know, some workout in for your own mental stability. And then you get home and it's like, oh, what's that? you got to put together a practice plan for tomorrow now. And we got to already think about what's happening tomorrow. Who are we playing? OK, we got this game. I got to watch film on them. So there's just it never as the head coach, it never stops. Like there's always something to be done. Uh, so gaining that experience was huge. Yeah, it's um, almost like he went to grad school for it. No, yeah. He like a PhD for nine months. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, yeah. seriously awesome. They had to have that experience going in. And then, you know, obviously this is a completely different, uh, you know, you know, different role of, as far as where we're at and what's important to us from coaching. Uh, is it weird to, to think about the fact that your fans at this point probably don't want you to win because of that draft pick? I mean, they're probably yeah, we're hitting this end it of the season. Where it's like, like that, I hope though, they lose. We were that's that Charlotte game. Uh, you felt like the fans were all oh, they were going nuts. That's they were good. they were into it. Our players were into it. Um, so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that in, in, in Staples Center. The, the people that are showing up are still uh, still. still I hate to say it, but the Lakers have good fans. Yeah, I was always impressed. I especially like they have. Any team that has just decades and decades and decades of fans, like yeah. they go back to 1960 out here, you can feel it. He's yeah. got fans of all generations. People have been there since 1968. Yeah. I hate saying this, but no, it's true. I got to say it's it. true. And, you know, the fan base is, and this team has struggled for the last few years. Yeah. And the fan base is still here. I mean, yeah. you can't, all over town. There, there's Laker fans everywhere. The Lakers just do not have a history of being down for long. No. It's just over and over again. It's maybe three, four years max, and then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar shows up. Or yeah, Shaq but shows it's up. gonna get. It's a lot tougher now. Because it is because teams are smarter. Well, this in the, the CBA, the the new the 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 way it's set up now, you can't just go pluck some superstar uh, like like they they've had they've done in the past because oh, yeah, now you can sign that the home team has such an advantage to pay more money and more years right. to all these all-star caliber players that you know you got to be willing to turn down an extra 40 60 80 million dollars to go play somewhere else which is not an easy thing to do that's a tough one too it's such a weird conundrum to be like I get more money here, but I'm probably not winning. Or I could go there, and I have a much better chance of winning. Yeah, putting a price on what that is. Quick break to talk about our friends at Simply Safe. You ever find out that when you're out of the house, maybe relaxing with your family and friends, you get that nagging feeling that I closed the door, that I locked that window. You just don't know it can drive you nuts. Well, you don't have to worry about that when you have Simply Safe home security. It's a nice extra layer of protection to know Simply Safe is there because thanks to its arsenal of sensors intended to protect your entire home and keep your family safe, 
Simply Safe offers an extra layer of protection that will put your mind at ease. Just recently, Simply Safe even released a brand new high definition security camera. Oh yeah, that connects your security system to your smartphone. That way you can see everything that's going on in your home no matter where you are. No more wondering and best of all, Simply Safe got rid of everything that makes most home security such a pain. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees. They will not gouge you and it's just 15 bucks a month. That's three times less than what other companies charge. Go check out the new camera today. You'll get an exclusive 10% discount when you go to simplysafe.com slash ringer. That's simplysafe.com slash ringer. Back to Luke Walton. What's the best thing you learned from Phil Jackson? Um, I think, honestly, with Phil, I was always a really uh, emotional player. Like, if I played bad or we lost, like, I just, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. Uh and I was no fun to be around. It affected how I was the next day. And, was, you know, I got in here with Phil and it was just, you know, his whole thing was like, look, you got to be right in the middle of the road. You can't get, there's moments you're going to be really high and moments you're really low, but have perspective on this. And you're, and you're, you're at your best when you're, you know, when you're clear minded and you're in control of everything. Um, so I think the, the, the bigger picture of the game of basketball and in the game of life because it wasn't just the perspective of where we want to be on the court and how we're at our best on the court. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's basketball at the end of the day. You know, it's it's the most important thing to us. But win or lose, you do what you do and then, you know, you and don't have, dwell on what just yeah, happened. Yeah, if it you got to you got to go home and enjoy your family yeah. and then come to work ready to work again tomorrow, but not dwelling on what happened yesterday like let's stay present let's stay in the moment and let's get you know get better and I never before I got here I never really had that that vision it was like play as hard as you can if you lose you don't deserve to have dinner after the game type of attitude for whatever reason and he really opened up my uh my eyes as far as the a bigger picture was concerned and even to that point you know within the game you know how one pass one bad pass to the ankle will start the ripple effect of an entire ugly possession of basketball. Right. And then that one ugly possession turns into a mini run for the other team. And like just that type of game within the game, uh, how everything was connected and stuff like that was, uh, was new to me when I got to, when I got here. So how long, how long does it take to convince a group of young players to embrace that mindset? It's like different what? for everyone. Um, it still took me a couple of years, yeah. Uh, you know, the, to really understand and, and accept what Phil was teaching as far as that was concerned. Um, what about the ball movement stuff? Because like D'Angelo's, who I, I'm fascinated by, I think he's yeah. really fun to watch. But as you know, one of those old school Nick Van Exel has the ball in his hands all the time type, yeah. and that's not how you want to play. Yeah, well, again, so it's tough to answer the how long it takes because there's some games that. Uh, that he does a great job of it. Yeah. So we, you know, and then there's just like anything, everything with growth. It never is just a straight line, perfect. Oh, you do it every day in practice. They get better every game a little bit, and then you're there. There's always, you know, speed bumps, and you t and so there's games that are we're moving the ball, and I'm like, this is awesome. We, you know, we, we're getting it, we understand it, and then the very next game we come out and we play with no, uh, no, no. Uh, pace and no unselfishness it's like one guy trying to do it and then the next guy trying to do it so yeah. i don't know the answer yet because we're not there yet they're, they're, they bought in 
which is awesome. And they're trying, uh, you know, they're trying to play this certain this certain style in a certain way. Um, but because obviously it's not natural for a lot of them. You know, a lot of these young guys grow up in AAU and the best kid shoots every time they get the ball. And if you win or lose, there's another game an yeah. hour later. So it's shrug it off. Yeah, it's whatever is. And then, uh, you know, I worry about that. I also think we're heading toward a toward a place with the NBA where there's going to be like 90 point guards. Yeah. And I think of a lot of it has to do. I, I I have no idea if this is true, but in AAU, the point guard has the ball all the time for it. They're playing eight games in a day yeah. and that guy just has the ball every second. Yeah. And now you're seeing the league and it just seems like it's getting easier and easier to find these random Yogi Ferrell types because there's yeah. so many of them that have the ball all the time. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not a big fan of AAU basketball, honestly. I think it, I, I would I would have guessed that. It's yeah. yeah, I think it ruins what we, you know, so many you learn so much, you know, fundamentals in high school and and then, you know, it, it gets more uh Did you play it, other sports too? When you were, I when played you were, up until high school. I played every sport up yeah. until high school. Once I got to high school, I was you had like to specialize. I didn't have to, but I just I loved basketball. There was no other. I didn't want to spend time doing other sports anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted and you had a chance to play in college. And yeah, knows. but yeah, I played. Which is another bad thing in my opinion about AAU is they play year round now. So you, to me, you should be playing soccer. You should be playing basketball when it's basketball season. Baseball right. when it's baseball season. And you know that's not the climate now. The climate is stick to one sport one the whole sport, time. It's crazy. Private it's, instructors. These, these guys are young. Like you gotta, you gotta develop the passion for the game. Yeah. In my opinion, and then and, and AAU is now takes away from the high school coaches, and they to me a lot of it is look just come play for our AAU team. And we're gonna get you the ball all the time, and we're gonna we're gonna win tournaments because we're gonna yeah you got sneakers whatever you got you're also playing with all the other best kids in this region so we're gonna blow everybody out and it's like it just takes away from the from the fundamentals of the game and you know it's like when when I grew up playing basketball if it was the off season me and my buddies would go to the park and play or the rec we know what rec center each day of the week had the good games at it. So then you're playing in these games, and if you lose, there's you know you're four games out before you get back on. So you you do everything you can to, to win games. Well, and also who you're picking when yeah, you're there. So you don't want to be the guy that's going to shoot this the whole interaction time. that's yeah. going on as far as who you know how this works. And now it's like you know you go to a U tournament, you fly in. <laughs> there's reporters there that are writing about you. So you're you know you're nine years old and you're reading on social media how good you are at the game yeah. of basketball so you have a youtube mix yeah, exactly so i think are you that, a lifelong I coach i i want to see be. doing this till I, you're like like uh i don't know who's an old coach now uh, who's the oldest nba coach i guess like pop's got to be up there but do you see doing it to your 60s i would like to i love yeah. it i i, I like We've won 19 games this year, and I literally get there's, now. There's a lot of nights I go to bed frustrated because yeah. I still don't handle losing great. But um, every morning I get in my car and dr- start driving into the office, like I get excited. Like it's it's this is a phenomenal job. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, thinking about ways to get better, and and then watching players starting to slowly get better is really yeah. cool uh that's awesome and it's you know I, I would yeah i would like to be you know in this profession for a long time last question 
explain how Richard Jefferson is still a rotation guy and a really good team to me. I'll t- you want to know the just truth? Just fucking explain this to me. It's you amazing. The, you want to know the truth? He moved to the South Bay here in Hermosa Beach. So he was on his way out. Because I should mention, he's one of your buddies. That's yeah, yeah, why he's one of, yeah, he, yeah, he's one of my He best was friends. out. He wasn't on his yeah, way yeah. out. He was out. He was yeah. thrown in with a first-round pick to get him off a team. So He, he was his, done. He, his lifestyle changed when he moved to Hermosa Beach. Okay. And this is how. So, um, you know, his, his body was breaking down a little bit, and he moved here, bought a house, uh, started playing beach volleyball with us every day in the summertime. Okay. So he's in the sand. He's jumping a thousand times a day, just hitting balls. Oh wow! So his, then, his legs are getting. So then, without even knowing it, everything's getting stronger again. And we play in the summertime. We play every day. Yeah. Um. So he's getting that workout in. So then, you know, in the South Bay, everyone does yoga too. I mean, you know, these are all the California things that we get a bad rep for, but they're actually good for you. Hey man. So he starts doing yoga so much, and he falls in love with yoga. He opens his own yoga studio out here. What? So now, for the past four years, he's every off season he plays beach volleyball and does yoga five days a week. And that's how and he's dunking on guys at age thirty-seven. To me. It, like he doesn't say this, but to me, it's the only explanation because yeah. now all of a sudden, yes, he's dunking on people again at the age of well, 36 right now. But yeah, uh, and he's he's playing great. He's he's does. He makes winning plays. He's effective. For them. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a huge part time. of why they beat us in the finals last year. Yes. When Kevin Love got hurt. They put him in and his defensive intensity and switching onto our guards. Uh, was a, a, a pretty big factor in the way that series played out. That must have left you conflicted. No, no, it didn't, there's no complexion. He's, he's your buddy, though. I was miserable. You were mad at him? Yeah, you didn't talk his, to him? It's his favorite line now. What? Like, we'll be playing whatever we're doing now. It doesn't matter. The score yeah. will be 1-0 in anything. It's not over. I've been down much worse than this. Ugh. That's his go-to line now, and it drives me crazy. He's a poor winner. Oh, that's terrible. And he had a lot of second places in his life up to that point. <laughs> uh, bronze medal in the Olympics. NCAA finals, Nets. we lost together. Nets uh, twice, I think. When did you lose in the uh, tournament? I can't remember. Oh, one. Duke beat us. And that was in the finals, though, or the semis? No, no, the championship. We lost. Uh, oh, was that had... the Trajan Langdon? No, no, no. They had, so both teams were. God, the all these, I'm so old now. All the March Madness is blending no, together. I, I, I can't remember. The only reason it doesn't to me is because I was. Well, because you were in the game, yeah, I would imagine. Carlos Boozer, Jay Will. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dunley That was a good Duke team, though. Dunleavy, Chris Duhon, yeah. Shane Battier, Nate James. That was then, one of the last loaded college teams. In the whole Final Four, uh, they they were down 20 to Maryland in the semis when Maryland had Dixon and yeah. Steve Blake and Baxter and uh, a kid who jumped really high, played in the league for a while, can't think of his name. And then we played Michigan State who had Zach Randolph and, and Richardson and those guys. So, like, the whole Final Four was loaded. That's a good one. Who was on your team? You, had, had you and Jay- Jefferson? No, no, no. So I, Jason Gardner, point guard, Gilbert Arenas, two guard, Richard Jefferson, three, Michael Wright was the four. Lauren Woods Michael was the Wright. five. And I, then I was coming off the bench on that team with like Eugene Eggerson and Justin Wessel and guys like that. So you you were there for early, early Gilbert. Early Gilbert was really good at the game of basketball. Gilbert is the most underrated guy from this century. It was unbelievable. He we, has a year and a half long stretch where he's basically, if you just covered up his name and asked whose numbers these yeah. were, you'd be like, I don't know, is that he was Westbrook? Incredible. Who is that? And we weren't even recruiting him until late. 
Yeah. Like it was us, Cal State, Northridge, and like Kansas State or something at the time. Yeah. But we jumped on late and he signed with us, came in, stole the with Ruben Douglas, who was at my freshman class, was our starting shooting guard. Ended up leading the country in scoring at New Mexico after he transferred. And within the first two months of the preseason, Ruben uh, was so like Gilbert had taken the spot. Wow. Ruben just got up and transferred before the season started so he wouldn't miss an extra year. And Gilbert was just this kid none of us had ever heard of that was cocky. I was going to ask, was he a little loopy back then? I'm guessing, yes. God, everything. Everything was a practical He missed out his calling on Twitter, but he was still one of the early internet basketball heroes. Yeah, he He was was one of the first one to blog, all that stuff. Everything was a practical joke to him. Like on the road trips, he'd put pennies in everyone's hotel key doors so you couldn't get your key in there. And but he was damn good at the game of basketball. <laughs> He's really, really great. Uh, so Richard Jefferson, need the Celtics take care of him for a little revenge. I'll, t- I'll tell the Celtics did, in, the, so, in the Eastern Finals if the Celtics and Cavs yeah, with meet. The, He's still my best bit. friend, so I'm still. Yeah, like, I still. I, I'm pulling for him. I, I, I do want oh, okay. him to win. Uh, I do want him to win. Just at the time, I had no love for. Like I wasn't like, well, if they if the, if the Cavs win, it's okay because and they got Channing Fry on their team. Like that's fine. Uh, I really did not want them to win. But when I saw him afterwards and you see the joy that comes from that oh, much yeah. hard work. I, I would argue he was one of the happiest. Yeah, you, you I mean, can't help but just feel feel happy for, for Could you coach like him? That. Could he come back for one last year down the road? Or would that be too weird? <sighs> That'd be tough. That'd Assistant be, coach, maybe? Yeah. I mean, something. You know, obviously I would think it would be fun to coach him. You just yell at him. Yeah, but maybe also, that'd be revenge for the finals. There's also relationships where, like, he might forget that I'm his head coach and take it back to like the fact that we've known <laughs> oh, each other for buddies. 20 years, yeah, yeah. And, and then it gets awkward. You yeah, know? So we'll right. see. Luke Walton, this was fun. Good luck with uh, the rest of the year. I okay. think uh, I don't know. You got some good players. So it's going to take some time, but I think the foundation is is definitely sitting there. Yeah, well, patience is is, is going to be big, but we kind of. We knew that coming into this, so it's, uh, I, you know, it's, they're a great young group of players to coach, and it's a lot of fun coaching them. Uh, All right. And eventually we'll start winning. Good luck. Thank you. All right, that's it. Thanks again to Simply Safe for sponsoring today's show. Don't forget, they released a brand-new high-definition security camera that connects your security system to your smartphone. That and the whole Simply Safe program are just 15 bucks a month. Three times less than what other companies charge. Go check out the new camera today. You'll get an exclusive 10% discount when you go to simplysafe.com slash ringer. And also thanks again to stamps.com for sponsoring today's episode. Man, I've been telling you this forever. Stop going to the post office. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. I don't even have to recommend this anymore because I've been doing it for 10 years. It's part of my life. Go to stamps.com right now and you can enjoy a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitments. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in my code BS, stamps.com, enter BS. And thanks again to the Ringer Podcast Network. Don't forget, we launched the Mask Man Show. New wrestling podcast with David Shoemaker. That's actually the one that used to be on Channel 33, but We liked it so much, we gave it its own podcast feed. Check it out. Go there right now. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. 
And don't forget about Food Week on The Ringer. All week, great videos, great podcasts, great pieces, great features, columns. And I even did a podcast for Channel 33 where we, me and Joe House broke down the top 50 fast food items. Go check that out on Channel 33. Enjoy the weekend. Back on Monday with a brand new podcast. Take care.